Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. Talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market. I'm Andrew Duncan, joined by Mike Corrigan with uh, Cross Country Mortgage. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We are at The Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, you name it, we're on it, at The Duncan Duo. we got a cool video we released this week, our Rides in Real Estate series. So if you enjoy unique uh, sports cars, exotic cars, similar to uh, Jerry Seinfeld and uh, Jay Leno, you know, driving along in cars. Um, you know, I drive through ta- certain Tampa Bay neighborhoods in different vehicles. Talk a little bit about the car, but talk a lot about real estate. So this week we did uh, Hyde Park, and Hyde Park Village. I drove in my Audi RS6 Avant and uh, talked about what's going on with real estate and the community in Hyde Park. And um, next week or a couple weeks from now, we're going to have another episode out. And I've got a really cool car coming. Nice. I'm going to be in a Batmobile. Really? I'm going to be in a Batmobile for this episode. Yeah. I wow. Think it's that be is cool. super cool. Yeah. A buddy of mine that um, um, he actually owns a Chick-fil-A and um, you know, he's a car guy like me. And he told me, he's like, hey, if you want to take any of my cars for your rides in real estate series, you just let me know. And I was like, I, I want to take the Batmobile. I mean, what other car would I want? You know, I mean, he's got his family has a Porsche and Audi R8. They got some other cool cars, but like, hey, yeah, the I mean, Batmobile. I want to take yeah, the Batmobile so they, to a neighborhood. Yeah, you know? that would be the one I'd pick so, too. So yeah, I'll be uh, cruising cool. the Batmobile in episode three, which I think will be pretty neat. And I got to figure out what neighborhood it's going to be. A neighborhood in Pinellas County, because that's where he lives, and I just feel like that's the easiest for me to pick sure. up the uh, the bat the old Batmobile. But um, and uh, so anyway, we'll um, you know, we'll have that out in a couple of weeks. Make sure if you want to see Hyde Park Village or Hyde Park. Go to our YouTube or our Instagram at the Duncan Duo. So I want to move next to talking. Um, instead of all the fun stuff we're doing, I want to talk about um, something going on in real estate right now, and it's it's a competitive real estate market for home sellers. Home sellers get a lot of offers. They're um, you know the market's hot. Sellers are in the advantageous position, and I want to talk about what sellers should look at besides the dollar amount right. when they're looking at an offer. So. This is especially important for first-time home sellers because first-time home sellers, um, you know, they've not gone through the process before. They don't understand all the con- uh, contingencies or the process. And unfortunately, sometimes first-time home sellers pick first-time realtors. And so they may not have the best advice uh, in front of them. So um, th- these are some tips that, y- you know, whether you're working with our company or not, whoever, whatever agent you're working with, this is important for you to know to help you pick the right offer. So step number one is, uh, you know, researching the financing method. So the important thing about this is that um, all loan products are different. Knowing the conditions of the different loan products, the difference between cash and a loan, the difference between FHA and VA, the difference between FHA and conventional, um, all these different loan products have pros and cons to them. And so for your specific property, um, you know, one loan product may not be the right product for your property. It may be something else. And you may have a different risk tolerance. You may get a higher offer from someone who uses a, a loan product that isn't as uh, likely to close, right. you know? And, and so knowing the differences between those finances, financing methods and the appraisals is important. And I'm not going to go completely into all the differences because that I mean, we could do a whole show on that. Um, but just know that all loans are not the same. 
Yes, that's yeah. I, totally true, especially for the specific type of property you have and potentially its condition and whatnot, it goes into it. And even if it's a cash offer that you're getting, you say, well, if they're offering cash, what a, you know, asking for actual proof of funds. You know, you see all these right. memes where they're taking pictures of, you know, their $100 bills and briefcases isn't going to fly. You right. Know, you know, you actually see a bank getting, statement, you need to show right, that they, really show that they actually have it and, and they're able to actually do it. Number two is look at the earnest deposit, the yeah. mo- you know, the escrow money. So the, this is, um, to me... Um, for the most part, it's it's a it's a um, it's an exercise in status. And here's what I mean by that: because most contracts that get canceled, the escrow money is going to the buyer because they're going to cancel in the time frame that's allotted. Um, so it doesn't it's not really your money, but the more someone is willing to put up um, in an escrow deposit, the stronger they're perceived to be financially because that's the risk they're willing to take. Yes. Um, so so look at the earnest money deposit and, and pay attention to that. Uh, next, look at the contingencies and consider uh, how few or how many there are. Um, is there an appraisal contingency? Is there a financing contingency? Is there an inspection contingency? Is there a sale of home contingency? It, you know, any contingency is a complication. It's a box that has to be checked in order for you to get your money. And some of the more complicated, scary ones, so to speak, are when a home has to sell for that buyer to buy your home. Right. That's a common one that, yes. that people don't really like to deal with in this market today. But but relatively typical to see inspection, appraisal, uh, certain conditions about title being met. Um, so those are relatively normal. But the fewer the contingencies, the less risk of a falter. So the fewer contingencies are stronger, better for the seller, um, you know, and, and more contingencies, you know, weaker. So you've got a kind of almost like a pendulum between price and contingency. Right, to, for to sure. Determine what makes the most sense. And number four, um, you know, opting for an ideal closing timeline. Um, and here's what I'll say about the closing timeline. Okay, buyers and sellers think they pick these. They think, well, the closing date is this. Right. I picked this date. I put this date in the contract. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Whatever you want, buyer or seller, as far as a closing date, it's a goal. Right. I mean, you can certainly want it. But it requires all of the parties do, facilitating this transaction to do the job that they're supposed to do. And guess what if they don't? You don't close then. And there's plenty of that that happens today. So, you know, needless to say, I think you've got a scenario where you've got, um, you know, situations where the lender doesn't get this done in time. Uh Certainly, certainly, certainly not happening across country. No, that's. A, I, I was going to say I'm not sure what you're talking about, but not it does very, happen very rarely. But you know, things do come up that happen that delay closings yeah. that go into it, and a lot of the vendors, like in everything else, are doing. You know, appraisals are taking a long time right now, um, and so sometimes it's you know it's out of control. There's just not the capacity and, to get and, them all and done. Sometimes you have holidays. Sometimes yeah, you have. Right. Um, the buyer doesn't get their financial documents time. A, a lending delay is not always a lender's fault. Sometimes Correct. it's the borrower not doing what they need to do. There's other there's other challenges that can uh, you know delay your closing. You could have storms you know, that cause insurance problems. Um, you could have a buyer that, whose home has to sell, and guess what? If that closing gets delayed, now your closing gets delayed. Um, you know, so there's a variety of reasons. But when you so when you prepare your closing timeline, just know that it's a target, it's a goal, but it's not set in stone. Be flexible. Be prepared to be flexible with the you know closing timeline. So so again, those are the you know the four things that we want to mention. I think there's other things that sellers can consider. Um, number one, do they know the buyer? 
you know, that, that makes a difference. Maybe they know the family of the buyer and they want to take that buyer's offer over someone else's. Or maybe the fact that the buyer is using a VA loan and they're a patriot or right. they were a veteran. Yep. Um, and that matters to them. So so there are other things that matter to home sellers, but it's but probably on a more um, you know, specific, unique circumstance than the, you know, every time you need to review the escrow deposit, for example. So so again, you're listening to Duncan Do a real estate show here on WFLA News. We're here every Sunday uh, talking about the real estate market. New home construction slowing uh, as builders grapple with supply chain headaches. So one of the things that keeps our real estate market strong um, and, and will continue to keep it strong is low inventory. And when you're in a market where fewer people want to move out of Florida and fewer people want to sell their home because they want to turn them into rentals because there's such strong demand for them to make a great return, when you have fewer resale inventory homes and then you reduce the number of new construction homes available, um, you're going to continue to have a healthy real estate market. You're going to continue to have low inventory and high demand. But what's slowing new home construction builders a lot is the supply chain issues. Yes. I think we've all seen the memes. You know, the ship's kind of stuck out in the ocean. Or, right. you know, the, the company's not able to produce enough lumber or concrete or whatever it is. Um but the supply chain headaches are causing builders to not be able to push out homes as quickly. Yeah, I mean it's it's there. It continues. It's it's a very real thing. And you know, um, hearing a lot of estimates, it's it's going to take a longer time to kind of unwind that that backup. It's not an immediate fix overnight. It's not. I don't think a you know a January February get through the end of the year thing. Um, it's probably going to take into mid next year, maybe even to late next year, to get more back to what we considered normal. Um, you know, you know, we joke about the new normal, but what, whatever that is. But it's going to take a while to get all that stuff from you know getting back onto a normal flow. So you could see different um, you know delays depending on you know the type of house or things that you're buying and whatnot. Yeah, and I think builders naturally are also delayed with a bunch of other things. Labor shortage, they're delayed right. because of permitting obstacles and overabundance of permits being out there. Um, so again, there, there's a lot of other reasons why new construction slips and permitting, permitting rising. So the builders want to produce more homes. Yes. But there are things in place that are preventing the builders from producing the number of homes that they'd like. And that isn't just a Florida problem. No, you know, it's nationwide. Issues and yeah. nationwide. New construction issues and nationwide issues. And we t- we've talked about this a few times, but the new construction issue didn't just start during COVID. Uh, you know, it started, you know, a decade ago when builders started slowing down producing the number of homes. Right. They, get stuck. they didn't want to get stuck in 2009 again. Right. You're exactly right. And so then it happened. And then, you know, the pandemic happened. They were already slowing down. And then this massive demand came into the market that we talk about all the time. And they just can't you just can't rev that machine up that quick. Yeah, no doubt about it. So um, what we're going to talk about next, um, and, and it's kind of a polarizing topic. So if you love the combination of politics, COVID-19 and real estate, then stay tuned because we're going to get into the nitty gritty of Democrats Republicans, where they're moving, where they're not moving, and the impact of, pol- you know, literally political you know, stuff and COVID-19 vaccines. I mean, I, I think that when I look at Florida, obviously, um, you know, I love Governor DeSantis. I think he's doing a great job, and I think a lot of people are moving here because of the job he's doing. But I also think that um, there are parts of the country where a completely different political belief system may exist. And someone may believe the governor in that state's doing a great job and they want to move there. So, right. so again, it's probably never been more polarizing than it is right now. 
and it's it has promoted a movement of Americans from different parts of the country based on their, you know, whether they're a Democrat, whether they're a Republican, whether they want to get a vaccine, whether they don't want to get a vaccine. And I don't know that it's ever been this serious before uh, in terms of people's desire to move based on politics. There's always been a financial element. Sure. People right. will move Taxes. away from state income tax and stuff like that. But th- this is different. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, and more after a quick quick break here on WFLA News. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show. Politics and real estate. Democrats and Republicans in real estate. COVID-19 vaccines and real estate. You know, they've become, you know, intertwined really with, with what's happened. And, you know, I, I'm talking about this from both perspectives because we have people moving here and that we poll. You know, we talk to them. Hey, why are you moving here? Or why are you leaving? Right. You know? Um, not as many people leaving is coming here, but, but again, it's, it's, it does happen. And so I think what we've learned is that, um, there, there's never been a more polarizing time when it comes to politics. And there are people making choices about where they want to live based on the governor and his political leanings and the, you know, the, I guess the how persistent a local area is about enforcing COVID-19 vaccines. I mean, so if you look at New York city, for example, you've, you can't go to a restaurant unless you've, you know, you've been vaccinated. You can't right. go to a gym unless you've been vaccinated. So there are people that don't want to agree with that. And then there are people that do and want to go there because they feel safer. Um, but, but there are people moving here because they don't want to deal with, with that. You know, they, they want a home in Florida because they don't like the idea of being told they have to get a vaccine. Yes. Okay? So I think additionally, you know, because of the polarization of politics, you have people moving from areas that are maybe very leaning left, very Democrat, but, you know, very liberal. Um, and they want to live in an area that has a, a political system that maybe is less, you know, liberal or Democrat and vice versa. Okay. So, but, but, you know, after do, having done this for, you know, over 15 years now, there's never been a time where I feel like I hear that from people like I do now in terms of it motivating them. And here's what I mean. Like, obviously, we, we're in an area that is, you know, people are moving here because they like the fact that COVID-19 is still a problem, but there's not a force of a vaccine to go eat at, you know, Chick-fil-A. Right. Um, you know, I, want, I want my chicken sandwich. <laughs> I want my nuggets. I want my nuggies. I want my sweet tea. I don't do the fries anymore. All Sorry, right. guys. I got to stay off the fries. I'm losing weight. I'm staying fit. I got to. I got to. I got to do the kale crunch salad instead. But you know, I, I, you know, to to you know to, to to do that is just you know again for some people it's not tolerable, so they move. On the other hand, you have people who feel like that should be the case, and that's where they want to go. So I talk. You know, I feel like we have a magnet of people moving here because they want to get away from it. And then I talk to friends in northern states that say, man, our population is growing like crazy, too. we got people moving here left and right. And there are areas that are highly COVID-19 restrictive. So, again, I think that that what's happened with the, the politics, the polarization of COVID, and then just the political year or two that we've had, it is motivating and encouraging people to move to areas that they feel like have more of an alignment with their political belief system. 
And I don't know that that's ever been the case before. Yeah, I don't think so. And what, what, what's so odd to me is it seems like whichever way you lean on with the vaccine, or not with the vaccine, but just COVID in general, but, but the vaccine as well, and yeah. whether the restrictions are, tend to go become a, a political and party-related yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, thing where it's really, it should be a medical event, right? Yeah, no and it's, it's sort of, it, it's just really odd to me. But uh, again, there's people on both sides of it. And, we, and, and thinking, you know, we used to be able to have a conversation about politics and, and like have a debate and not have people judge you or right, hate you for or sure. say that you're now this person because you like this person and everything's become so judgy. I mean, like I have stuff that I want to do or say sometimes like on social media that I think is hilarious that both sides would probably think is funny, but I know that they're going to, you know, people are just going to choose to get offended. Like, you know, and I, you know, it's funny. I, it's that cancel culture yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that we have out there now. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's, it's like, look, offense is an act or right. is an action. Being offended is your choice. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. Like you can choose to look at something and even if you don't agree with it, think it's funny. You know, there's times when I watch like you know, Dave Chappelle or or I watch something on Saturday Night Live and whether whichever side is being attacked, I think it's hilarious. Right. But but now there's just this pressure that like, you know, oh, if they go after my political party, then I want I don't like them. I hate them. I want to cancel it. You know, like. It's um, it is it's, a shame because sometimes the best information you can get and how can you can really learn and grow is by hearing the other side. Right. If you're only always around people, you believe. Right. You know, the same thing. I had someone tell me that recently. But, you know, you got to sometimes hear the other well, side I mean, and, 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 and the, the same thing. Goes, make a choice for yourself. I mean, the same thing goes for like success. I mean, look, if you don't have money and you hang around people that don't have money, you're probably going to keep not having money. Right. Right. But you got to learn from somebody that has 100 percent. Right. You know, like that's how you get better. If you're whatever political party you're in, how can you really believe in your party if you don't even know what the other party stands for right you, know, you got to talk to both sides to kind of you know form an opinion so so anyway there's no doubt that um you know a large portion of the public i mean this article goes on to talk about different studies and how polarizing it is and then the number of people that move even one statistic um nearly 44 percent of people 18 to 29 said they would change their address because of politics meanwhile just 30 percent said they 30 percent of people over 60 so in other words the older you get, the less likely you are to be influenced to move somewhere because of politics. The younger you are, the more likely you are to be. Influenced. And that's fascinating because, you know, usually when you look at the voting, you know, yeah. who votes, right? It's usually that older demographic yeah. than the younger demographic. And now it's the younger the, age and they're yeah, involved Yeah, the younger now. people would move even though they didn't even right. vote. And now they're getting more involved. It's like, they I, didn't I, even I, vote and they're moving because of politics. <laughs> like, bro, show them a vote. Like, right. then you got a voice. You right. It'll say. be interesting to see if the voter, you know, participation at those levels go up in the in the upcoming elections. Yeah, but, I guess we'll see that. Yeah. Hmm. Important. Well, anyway, we're going to be back. We're going to continue our conversation after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. And look, it's the holidays. They're here. Walmart's got Christmas stuff everywhere. Walk into Home Depot and you see Mickey Mouse and Santa Claus and big blowups. You know it's here. They're right. playing Christmas music everywhere. Yep. So it's that time. And so what happens during that time is we all travel. We all go different places. And one of the interesting things about what happens with Florida is we get a population increase. And we have a lot of people visiting here that end up deciding, hey, I might kind of like to buy a house. I might buy an Airbnb or I might do, I might, you know, buy a home here. If you're thinking about buying a home and you're not from here, just go right to DuncanDuo.com and hit us up. We'd love to help you. Um, but in reality, when you're buying a home out of state, it's a lot different than you expect because from state to state, the you know, the the processes and procedures are different. For sure. In some states, the way you go under contract, whether you use an attorney or not, whether you um, 
whether you pay for the title insurance or the other party pays for the title insurance or you you do the appraisal before the inspection. I mean, there's so many things that vary from one state to another state. So you need to do your research. You need to understand what the process is like in that state. Um, and I think you also need to do your research on the properties and insurance costs and taxes because the assumption you may have in your northern state or western state isn't always going to apply to, you know, real estate here in Florida and vice versa. So make sure that you understand what you're getting yourself into. Understand the process, ask a lot of questions and leave your assumptions at the door because the assumptions you may have about the process of buying real estate in Georgia compared to Florida may be completely different. Um, Picking a great real estate agent is a really big part of this because you need somebody who can be, you know, eyes on the real estate there that knows the market. So you want to pick somebody experienced and you also want to pick somebody that's tech savvy. You need somebody that can do FaceTime tours of properties. You need right. somebody that can go out and know how to use a phone. I, I, and I, I mean this, guys. Like, there, are, there are real estate agents here that they, they don't know how to FaceTime. They, I, I, I'm dead serious. There, there are real estate agents out there that do not have, know how to use their phone or know how to upload a video to YouTube so you can get a tour of the house. Okay, So you need to work with somebody that can at least be tech savvy and responsive enough. Here's another thing during the holidays that happens. So this is important for you too, um, for you to understand. If you hire a real estate agent, ask them what their schedule is going to be like. If you need somebody to be around during Thanksgiving and Christmas to look at houses for you during those periods of time, and I don't mean like on Christmas Day, um, a lot of real estate agents are done for the year already. Right. I was just going to say they pack it in. They're you done. Know, you know, right at Thanksgiving They're on vacation or before. Yep. They're home eating cookies and brownies and getting fat, watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. They're done. They're checked out. Peace out. Right. So make sure you're talking to an agent that's going to stay locked in, that's going to you know keep you updated, that's going to give you information, that's going to shoot videos of homes. Be picky. Look at the reviews and make sure that they know how to handle an out-of-state purchase. Okay? E-closings, all, all these types of things matter. Um, if, you're, if you're buying a house in another state and you're relocating there, okay, um, a lot of the services real estate agents offer are about relocation. They can help you find your gym. They can help you get your utilities set up. They can help you understand the local market. You want to work with somebody if you're relocating that you can tolerate for that period of time. If your real estate agent gets on your nerves and you're relocating from across the country, probably shouldn't be a real estate agent. You're going to be spending a lot of time with them. Make sure you get along with someone. Um, be wary of scammers. Uh, there's a lot of scammers out there that pose as real estate agents or pose as property managers taking deposits from people and post stuff that you may think is too good to be true, that every person local to that market knows that that's a scam, but you may look at it and think, oh, yeah, I'll send them $2,000. Right. Yeah. So be wary of scammers. Um, ask the stupid questions when buying out of state because because what you may think is a stupid question may be a regular question, and there's no such thing as a stupid question. If it's, if it's a need or it's a concern you have, and there's going to be a lot of things different about buying real estate in a different market and different state. You need to know, um, you know, what's going on. I think you get a second opinion, um, but not always from another realtor. Get a second opinion. Find someone that lives there that you can trust and poke around and ask about neighborhoods and ask about the neighborhoods you're looking at, the parts of town. You know, find out what you can from people that, you know, that, that you know and trust that you have a relationship with that may live there in the local market or that may know it well. 
Yeah, and here's here's a tip I you know I could give you, and, and maybe it seems obvious, but a lot of people wouldn't think of, you know, use social media for this. You can find out a lot about an area. With, you know, there's a Facebook group for everything nowadays, and so you can pick your town in a Facebook group, and it'll list a lot of the people's favorite restaurants, and they'll be talking about different things. You can kind of get a feel of what's going on in a particular area if you don't know somebody that's there that can't get you an expert. At least without having to reach out, you can read some information to see what's going on in an area. Yeah, and I, I think, um, you know, if you're having an inspection done, I would try and be there and be present. Here's the thing. it's You're in an area you don't know very well. The construction standards are different from one part of the country to another in terms of what's what's a code issue, what's not a code issue, what's what construction quality is, what roof straps are needed, you know, whether it's frame or block. I, I would encourage you to make it to the inspection. Here's the other reason, okay? If you're not at the inspection, and I, and I really mean this. If you're not at the inspection and know the area, when you read the inspection report, you're going to think that this thing's a falling down shack. Like when you read inspection reports today, it, it, they're meant to scare you because it's the inspector CYA to make sure they don't get in trouble. So you've got to be conscientious to make it. And then you can hear from the inspector exactly what he says and have him point out stuff to you so that you can understand the differences because what may be an issue in New York may not be an issue here in Florida. Right. Yep, for sure. So make it to the inspection sport. And then lastly, um, you know, don't um, remote closings becoming increasingly common. So, um, you know, you want to make sure that you work with a title company that does have like a national network so that you can, you know, do that. Ours does. But don't sweat the closing. You'll have everything explained to you. You know, it, it'll all work out. It's going to be different than what you're used to or if you've bought a home in another area. Um, but those are my tips for, for buying a home, um, you know, buying, buying a house out of state. Uh, anything you wanted to add anything on that? I, I just, I mean, all those tips were great and the, it can be very different, especially depending on the state that you're coming from, you know, that that's going to be there. And, you know, one of the big things is, is cost of living, right? Adjustments that can be different that come in. So some states you may think, you know, um, you come here and you say, wow, the taxes are so low here, real estate taxes, but other things may be, may be more expensive. Certain things I know, you know, I relocated from Ohio back in, you know, 2005 and remember thinking, wow, some things are super cheap. And then other things I'm like, wow, it's so expensive here. That's going to be there. So you're going to see different things that happen. So it's good to ask around and get, get the things there, but things are going to be different. So ask and, you know, do your research so you know, and you, you know what to expect. Yeah, no doubt about it. So again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News in our last segment. So stay tuned for this. If you're a home buyer or thinking about jumping into the market, the last segment we're going to talk about today is tips for why, if you've been in the market, you should try and close by the end of the year. Yes. So we're going to give you those tips after, after you know, this last segment here. But can you offer less on a house? Not really. Now, I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. You can. I mean, you can do whatever you want. You know, you can offer whatever you want. The reality is, is today, the likelihood of you getting a house by offering less is is just slim. Yeah, um, it's just it's just not happening very often. Um, you know, there are things that you can negotiate, and there are ways that you can do it. Um, you know, but lower offers or low ball offers today are just not super likely. When you, I mean, it's just so. It's, yeah, you just don't you just don't see it. It's a unique situation when it does happen. I think you know. Um, a month or so ago, we went over the statistics. I think it was the first time ever it went, you know, ticked above 100% asking, right? It went to like 100.1 or, or something, which means there's going to be some that go under. But, you know, if you're going in thinking that, you know, you're going to be able to lowball this guy or get in there at a lower, 
amount. It just doesn't really happen. I mean, going in at asking is is kind of you know your your floor nowadays, where it used to be maybe a ceiling um, that goes in there, and I think it's going to be that way for a while. Yeah. So so the um, I think the other thing that you can do if you're offering low, you got to be respectful of the sellers. You got to at least make sure your agent's having a conversation with the listing agent. You've got to justify yeah, I was a just reasonable say, reason. Give give the reason why. Here's why I'm offering you low. Here's my comps. Here's my justification. Here's what's wrong with the house. You you, you can't just lowball a seller without giving an explanation to allow the other agent an opportunity to, um, you know, to to you know present. Because I tell you, I feel like and and hear stories right now where. People, sellers are pricing their, they, the sellers know this now, right? Everybody knows the market's hot and they're getting a lot for their money. So, so I think some of them are pricing it on the high end. You know, let's see what we can get. We know it might not appraise for that and then we'll just deal with that when we get there. So they may be willing to come down. So I do see some people, you know, doing that. And I think that's where maybe you have an opportunity um, to go there. But there are a segment that are, are really pushing the envelope. Um, and and you, you you just see that some out there. So that's why, again, having an experienced real estate agent can, that can get you accurate comps that knows what's going on in that particular neighborhood is so important. I think another thing is making sure your financing is in order. Look, if you're going to offer sure. low on a house, you better have cash or you better your financing better be so solid. You know, like have that all lined up. Also, reduce contingencies. Yeah. You've got to offer as few contingencies as possible. You cannot possibly... Um, you just can't expect to lowball and then ask for every condition in the world, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you can't. can't. I mean, the more, and we talked about that in the first segment of the show about limiting the number of contingencies. You know, as a seller, what are you looking for? So that's one of the things we gave as a tip early in the show right. to look for. So now on the buying side, you, you got to limit those. So th- you got to see what your tolerance is and as little as contingencies and timeframes as you can get in there, the better off you're going to be. So, and by contingencies, we mean like the steps that have to get crossed in order to keep moving forward with the contract inspections, appraisal, title. Um, you know, those are probably the most common uh, that, that we run across. So, so again, um, you know, we're, we're going to talk if you've been listening we kind of teased this earlier if you're thinking about buying a home by the end of the year if you're you know looking at houses right now if you've been looking at houses and you've said you know what i'm going to wait until after the holidays mistake don't do it we're going to talk after the break about you know what we have to do to um you know to to, to kind of like when you're I'm trying to think of the best way to say this um and I'm drawing a blank. So you know what I'm going to do when I draw a blank? I just go to break. Yeah, we're say, almost you know there. You'll tease it. We'll you know, come back. Just, you'll have it. And... We're just going to go to break, and then we'll wrap up after that. So we'll be back after a quick break here on the Dunkin' Duo Show. All right, so I have my brain fart. We're back here on the Dunkin' Duo <laughs> Show. And um, we're talking tips about why home buyers should look to close by the end of the year. Um, ultimately, it's super important because you're going to save money. We have a homestead exemption here, so your property taxes are lower if you close by the end of the year. Your interest rates could be higher next year. Your prices are going to be higher next year. And you have sellers that, let's face it, their house on the market during the holidays, they probably have a higher level of motivation. So you may have a greater chance at getting the house you want or an offer that's acceptable to you. Um, there's also other obstacles. You know, a lot of insurance carriers uh, redo their rates in the new year. You know, they reassess everything. They look at new assessments. Um, you've also, I mean, there, there's just so many variables. Um, you all, you know, you could accomplish the goal of having it this year versus next year. There's so many reasons, but homestead exemptions, one, a lot of people miss because you file your homestead exemption. Our taxes are in arrears here. 
So anyone that right. buys this year, their assessments are based on last year's values. So next year, if you close Jan 1, it's based on this year's values. Clearly, we're seeing 10, 12, 15, some neighborhoods, 18% appreciation. So you're going to pay you know, 10, 12, 15, 18% higher property taxes every single year um, you know, for the rest of your life. So the sooner you close, the better your tax situation is for the life of the loan. Yeah, the homestead exemption is definitely the biggest one, and it's one a lot of people miss and they don't realize. And so we always, you know, December's one of our busiest months of the year. You wouldn't think that, you know, it's that way. And it's because of that reason to be able to get a homestead exemption, um, you know, on the property and be able to take, you know, advantage of the tax advantages. You know, and sometimes the taxes are going to go up, you, you know, on all our county websites around here, they have tax estimators so you can see what's happening. But because we are limit how much taxes can go up each year in Florida, if someone's lived in the house for a long period of time, Time, you may be looking that your taxes jump significantly when it gets reassessed after the sale. Well, if you can take advantage of that homestead one more year out of that, that can save you literally, you know, five to ten thousand dollars because your taxes are going to go up into the future in the following year, just by closing December thirty first versus January one. Right, right, no doubt about it. And and so other benefits. Um, Look, there are a lot of sellers out there that want to sell and close by the end of the year for their own income tax reasons. Yes. Potential changes in income tax laws. Um, you know, so so you've got sellers that might be a little bit more motivated to take an offer. Yes. Right? I mean, they, they'll save more on taxes than the few thousand bucks that they could take lower versus getting higher next year when, you know, maybe more buyers show up. Here's another thing I think a lot of people miss. And this is a lot of home buyers. If you want to get a great deal, there's probably every single year around this time I get a great deal. And it's because there are sellers that just want it over with. Right. It's been a rough year, you know, and they just want it over with. Like, just get it over with. Let me let me be done with this. Right. And so if they're at that place and and they're saying, yes, during the holidays, I love to open up my house. And have people traipse over my Christmas tree and my Christmas gifts to check out my house because I just love it so much. <laughs> no, the people that are doing that this time of year, they're motivated. Right. They're not opening up their house during the holidays when they want to be vegging out and watching, you know, Home Alone and Elf uh, on a Saturday morning and baking cookies, you know, and on the two days a year it gets cold here. They're not doing that. Okay. They're, they're putting their house on the market. And they're dealing with all this stuff because they want to sell their house. Yeah, and I, So buyers take notice. Yeah, and one of the things I'll say on top of that is there is a segment of the buyers that just say, you know what, I'm going to deal with this after the holidays. Now, we're telling you that's not that doesn't make sense and that's not right. But regardless, there's going to be some people that are going to. So you have less people going after those same homes there. And so you have a better chance of having success now when everybody else says, oh, you know, let's, we'll start dealing with it after the new year. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and I think that... Um, you know, one of the other things, you know, when you talk about the holidays, you know, you've got seller motivation at a, at a high. You've got, a, you know, buyer motivation at a high. But here's what you don't have. You don't have realtor motivation at a high. <laughs> so if you were a buyer, this is, and I'm being honest out there. If you were a buyer out there right now, okay, and you're struggling because your realtor is off playing Papalito, they're done for the year. They're cooking turkeys and, you know, baking cookies and on vacation and gone all the time and not responsive and going shopping. And you see them posting on Instagram, Black Friday shopping, but they're <laughs> not answering your texts. Look, if you're frustrated with your agent, hit us up at the Duncan You know, we've got a whole crew of people that don't take 
this time off. Like we're, we're, we're in the trenches. We're working. Yes. There's a lot of agents that bounce out, you know? So if, if you're frustrated and you're not getting the service from your agent, we would love to help you again at, at the Duncan We'd, um, you know, reach out. We'll hook you up with an agent that's, that fits what you're looking to, to do in the neighborhood and an expert. But, but so many people, so many real estate agents this time of year are done and, and you got to be conscientious of that. So, um, you know, again, uh, I say that and I promise you there are people listening right now that are probably like, my agent's not returning my text or call. Right. Ah. Yeah. Think of that same thing. Right. Especially as we go into Thanksgiving week. Right. Yeah. Are they going to be around and are they going to be responsive? Right. Yeah. So, that, you know, that's it. the biggest thing. So we hope the bolts keep winning. Hope the uh, team keeps winning. Love what's going on in Tampa Bay. We hope you have an awesome Thanksgiving week. We'll be here next Sunday for our Thanksgiving episode talking to you about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay.